Blog Talk Radio. internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed, understand the book of Revelation from start to finish. This is PGM, Prophetic Grace Network. Today we are talking about the marriage supper prophecy in the book of Revelation. If you have not had a chance to do so, I invite you to go to the website for this broadcast, blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. There you may find the one-page basic study notes that accompany this talk, the location of the Marriage Supper Prophecy, which is Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. The location of this this prophecy is mentioned there. Also, keywords, phrases, terms, and numbers. Today we're going to be talking about animals In the marriage supper prophecy, uh, there are several animals mentioned in the marriage supper prophecy. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, would you use our PGN phone number 1319-527-6027? That's 1319-527-6027. I would love to hear from you so that we can connect about the book of Revelation. I am going to share the Marriage Supper Prophecy right now, and then I'm going to go to callers. Thank you, 214-415. You will be first. Let's begin with hearing the Marriage Supper Prophecy in the book of Revelation, reading from Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. Here it is. Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd, or the roar of mighty ocean waves, or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. For the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, Don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Then I saw the beast, 
and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. That is the marriage supper prophecy in its entirety. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 21. Um, Some of the key concepts, uh, the primary key concept, the Battle of Armageddon, in this marriage supper prophecy we heard in Revelation uh, chapter 19, verse 19. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So you have right there a picture, a picture of the Battle of Armageddon, its commencement, the beginning of it's right there. Revelation chapter 19, verse 19. Today we're going to focus on animals in the marriage supper prophecy. Three animals are mentioned, uh, lamb, horse, and vulture. We're going to talk about those three animals Who are they? What are they? And what's their role in the Battle of Armageddon? Before we do that, let's go to callers. 214-415, thank you for being here with me and with us. 214, who are we talking to and where are you calling from? Hello. Hi, this is Barbara. I'm calling from Texas, but my background is loud, so I have to stay muted. (laughs) Okay. No problem, Just Barbara. The service. Thank you. Okay, so much. So, no prayer requests at this time. Uh, not really, but just okay. I just ask the Lord to just keep me pure, clean, and uh, before the Lord, and just do what He called me to do. You know, and that's it. <laughs> Open Amen. up the revelation. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, um. Barbara, let me pray for you if that is okay. I love to uh, get a chance to pray and talk to PGN friends and family, and you are a longtime PGN uh, family member. And thank you so much for being with me and with us. So, Lord, I just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for uh, the heart that Barbara has to know the book of Revelation and to uh, hear from you. Lord, thank you that... She is on track, Lord, that she is uh, in the center of your will, Lord. Thank you that when the winds of change come, she stands strong because she has strong roots, roots grounded in the word. Thank you, Lord, that you are giving her those things that will allow her to see and know that what she has seen far off on the distance that is coming, that she is on her way to a specific destination, that those things that you showed her, uh, that they are, they, are, they are getting closer. They are becoming more sharp and focused, Lord. So, Lord, we just thank you for Barbara. Uh, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray amen and amen. Thank you, Barbara, from Texas uh, for being here with me and with us today. So we're talking about the marriage supper prophecy Three animals are mentioned in this prophecy, the lamb, horse, and vultures. Let's start with the lamb. When Jesus Christ came the first time, he came as the lamb of God. When he comes the second time, he is coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. In the book of Revelation, he is usually referred to as the Lamb. So let's go to those scriptures in this prophecy that tell us about the activities of the Lamb during the Battle of Armageddon. So verse 7 says, For the time 
has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. The wedding feast of the Lamb is the Battle of Armageddon. Let me say that again. The wedding feast of the Lamb is the Battle of Armageddon. Now, you might say, research scientists, does this mean that um, we're not going to die with Jesus? No, I'm not saying that, and, and it doesn't say that here. But what we do see in this marriage supper prophecy is that this wedding feast is prepared for a specific group, and that group that group includes the vultures. It does not include the sheep, the bride. Uh, it does not include us as believers. So we see here, for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb. The wedding, when Jesus Christ gets his forever family in the flesh, when the event described in First Thessalonians chapter 4 happens, So in other words, when Jesus Christ descends from the clouds and he brings with him those believers who have died in Christ, their glorified immortal bodies are reconstituted and they rise up from the ground. The believers who are descending from heaven, two in one, their same soul, mind, will, and emotions, their same spirit, so they're two in one instead of three, They put on their new, glorified, perfected, immortal bodies. So now they are three in one. And those of us who are here at the time of the second coming, we transition in the bleak of an eye. We transform from having mortal bodies to having immortal bodies. That event, that event is the wedding. That event is the first resurrection the first resurrection the wedding when jesus christ is reunited so jesus christ is already three in one god manifest in the flesh he lives in his immortal glorified perfected body right now in present heaven revelation chapter one tells us he's the firstborn of the dead Those who are with him in heaven, but they're only two in one, soul and spirit, they will be the second born of the dead, along with those of us who are here at the time of the second coming. So that's the wedding. The first resurrection is the wedding. Jesus Christ is united in the flesh forever with his forever family. Every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So the Lamb is Jesus Christ. Every person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life will participate in the wedding, the first resurrection. After the first resurrection, which is described in the earth reaped prophecy, Revelation Chapter 14, after the first resurrection, after the wedding, there's the wedding feast. So after Jesus Christ has returned and we have become a part of his forever family on this present earth and will stay with him and will continue to be with him on the new earth to come, so after the wedding, Now it's time for him, along with the armies of heaven, to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. So when we see this language, wedding feast of the Lamb, we understand in linear time that what precedes the wedding feast, what comes before it, is the wedding. So verse 7 says, For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, The angel is announcing, it's time for the battle of Armageddon. And then in verse 9, the angel says, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. So those who are invited to the battle of Armageddon are blessed. So those are the two verses that use the language lamb, in the marriage supper prophecy. 
Now, I said at the beginning of our time today that the wedding feast of the Lamb is for a specific group of people. Those are the uh, the diners, if you will. The feast is being prepared not for the bride of Christ. It's being prepared for the vultures. Now, let's go to that scripture so that we can uh, hear what the Word of God is telling us about who the wedding feast is for. So in verse 17, so there are two verses where the word vultures appears. We're going to hear both of them. Verse 17 says, and we're in chapter 19, the marriage supper prophecy. Verse 17 says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. So indeed, we heard earlier in verse 7 that it's a wedding feast. The wedding has happened, now it's time for a feast. Here in verse 17, we're told, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. So this is indeed a feast. And not only is it a feast that happens after the first resurrection, but it's a great banquet. And God is the one who has prepared it. Let's hear the whole verse. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky, Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Surely, surely God has not prepared a feast of human flesh for his bride. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But indeed, the great banquet, it doesn't include, you know, what I would include in a great banquet. I would include uh, barbecue ribs chicken, crab legs, things like this, what would you include? Maybe a steak. So uh, clearly this is not a feast for members of the royal race. This is not a feast for the bride of Christ. This is a feast for vultures, and that's why the angel shouts, says the angel shouts to the vultures, come, gathered together for the great banquet God has prepared. And they're not coming simply to witness it, because in verse 18 it says, Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great. Now this is the instruction that the vultures are given. At the Battle of Armageddon, there are many players. There's Jesus Christ, there's the Antichrist, there are the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world, there's the army of heaven, and there are the vultures. The vultures have an assignment. They are tasked to the cleanup plan committee. Now, in Revelation chapter 14, at the end, we're told that at the Battle of Armageddon, Specifically at the Battle of Armageddon, the blood will flow for 180 miles. And in that blood will be carnage. Now, specifically, well, what's, in the, what's the carnage comprised of? Where, well, we're told right here it includes the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors of horses, and uh, humanity free and slave, small and great. So all of the individuals who are team Antichrist, team Satan, all of the individuals who are team Satan, they are on the side of God's enemy. 100% of those individuals are going to lose their lives. They are going to experience the first death 
not only the individuals but also their horses. Now let's go to the second verse that has vultures. So we want to make sure that we're clear on what exactly is the marriage supper. What is the wedding feast of the Lamb? Verse 21, the last verse in this prophecy, the second place where we see the word vultures used, it says, let's back up to the end of verse 20. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. So not only are the vultures giving the given the instruction to come and eat the flesh of kings and warriors and horses, but they indeed followed that instruction, and it says that they gorge themselves. They don't gorge themselves uh, on worms or berries. It says they gorge themselves on the dead bodies now we're not reading this uh to be gruesome we're not excited about the loss of human life but we understand that we serve a just god and god does everything in his power to bring people to the knowledge of jesus christ we're told in the word of god that his will is that none should perish but that all should come uh to the knowledge of jesus christ and uh that all should have everlasting life but Some will not choose to receive the free gift that is being offered. Some will indeed reject the opportunity to be a part of God's forever family. And during the great tribulation, which precedes the battle of Armageddon, all who are not team Jesus will be team Satan. Many will choose to take the mark of the beast. And when they take the mark of the beast, that forever, that forever separates them from God, that forever defines them, because that means that they have become for all time children of Satan. Now, if a person's a child of Satan but chooses to repent, make Jesus Christ Lord of his or her life, get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, then that person is adopted into God's forever family. There's time to do that today. But when a person takes the mark of the beast, that mark is permanent. In Revelation chapter 3 and chapter 22, we're told that all whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will have the mark of God. We'll have the mark of God on our foreheads. You can't have the mark of God on your forehead. That's what every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life will have, and the mark of the beast on your forehead. You can't have both. So we're talking about the Battle of Armageddon and the reality that the wedding is the first resurrection, and here in Chapter 19, the wedding feast is a great banquet. It's a banquet it is the reality of God taking out his enemies when the battle of Armageddon is fought and won the governments of man are put down the government of Jesus Christ is established and we are at the beginning of the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. Jesus Christ is coming back, and when he comes back, he's bringing the believers with him, and the believers who are with him will transition from mortality to immortality. Those of us who are here at the time of the second coming will transition from mortality to immortality. That's the wedding after the wedding, the wedding feast. The Battle of Armageddon will happen, and it's described here. Now, at the end of the Battle of Armageddon, there will be 180 miles of blood. Let's hear that. In Revelation chapter 14, in the earth reap prophecy, we're going to go there for a moment. 
In Revelation 14, in the earth reap prophecy, that's a description. This prophecy, Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 20, it focuses primarily, not only, but primarily on the first resurrection. But it mentions a few other things. For example, it mentions at the end the Battle of Armageddon. So it gives us uh, a sneak peek at what happens, kind of like um, we have a sneak peek about the Battle of Armageddon also in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy and in the seven plagues prophecy. But let's stay here for a moment. Revelation chapter 14, verse 20. In the earth reap prophecy, the last verse says, The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle. The armies of the world, Led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world, they will that uh, those armies will number in the millions, a hundred percent of the individuals who are Team Satan, those who are in the armies. So who who falls on the side of Team Satan at the Battle of Armageddon? So we heard it in verse seventeen. Who's going to be there? Uh, on one side we have Jesus Christ and the army of heaven, and on the other side we have Team Satan, which will include the Antichrist, the false prophet, kings, generals, strong warriors, riders on horses, as well as some people who will be free and slave, some of them small in stature, some of them great in stature. Now remember, every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life will have already transitioned from being a, a mortal human to being an immortal, immortal member of the royal race. Let me say that again. At the time of the Battle of Armageddon, every person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the bride in its entirety will no longer uh, be mortal humans. At that point, we will possess our glorified, perfected bodies, just like the one Jesus Christ resides in right now. It's a body that will be 100% free of DNA errors. It's a body that will never, ever die. You haven't had your best day yet. You haven't yet been in a body that doesn't have DNA errors. So your mind, your brain will be 100% perfect. Your knees will be 100% perfect, your eyesight, your hearing, everything in your physical body will be 100% perfect. Now, individuals who have taken the mark of the beast, they failed to make the first resurrection. They did not participate in the wedding. But those individuals who failed to make the resurrection but who are there with the Antichrist and false prophet in Israel at the appointed time and hour, those individuals are going to experience the first death. Now, when they experience the first death, all of them, it will be millions of people, these are people who have rejected God and who have embraced Satan. They have worshipped the Antichrist. They have worshipped his statue. They have taken the mark of the beast on their forehead or on their hand. Those individuals will be squeezed in what is called the wine press in the book of Revelation. The wine press specifically refers to God. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the battle strategy God will use specifically at the Battle of Armageddon. So we see the wine press referred to in Revelation 14, here again in Revelation chapter 19. So whenever you see the wine press, it's talking about what is going to happen to those who are Team Satan at the Battle of Armageddon. Now let's talk about the third animal the horses so 
horse is mentioned several times. Uh, horses are mentioned five times in the marriage supper prophecy. Let's go to its first appearance. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, John the Revelator says to us, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. So the rider on the white horse is Jesus Christ. So we're given a picture. John the Revelator actually sees the timing immediately before the Battle of Armageddon begins. So Jesus Christ is in heaven, and he's ready. He's suited up. He has his weapons on him, and he has his mode of transportation. He's in his vehicle, which is a horse. He will use a white horse to transport himself from present heaven to this present earth. Now, in case we're wondering, you say, well, how can we be sure it's Jesus Christ? Well, it says in verse 16, on his robe at his thigh, talking about the rider of the white horse, on his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now, let's see the second verse. Let's hear that, the second verse where horses mentioned verse 14 says the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses now where are they following him from they're following him from heaven so heaven is a location in the same way that uh the earth is a physical location heaven is not a fantasy or a nice idea um it is a physical location somewhere above the earth. Hades is a physical location below the earth. So when it says here, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses, they're following him because he is leaving heaven and he is descending and he appears from the clouds and arrives here on this present earth. Okay, so riding a white horse at the Battle of Armageddon will be Jesus Christ. Also riding white horses will be the armies of heaven. Now, in some verses, the language armies of heaven is used, and in another verse, army of heaven. But we know that they are the armies of heaven, and all of those who are in the armies of heaven will be riding a white horse. Let's go to the third verse. Verse 18, come and eat the flesh of kings, generals and strong warriors, of horses and their riders, and of all humanity, both free and slaves, small and great. So we have two teams at the Battle of Armageddon. We have a winning team and a losing team. We have Team Jesus and Team Satan. Team Jesus will include Jesus and the armies of heaven. Their mode of transportation is horses. But also, on the side of Satan, Team Satan, and who's riding for Satan? The Antichrist, the false prophet, kings, generals, and strong warriors. Some of them, it doesn't say all, but some of them will be on horses too. Now, we can imagine that some of them will be another kinds of uh, vehicles too, right? Perhaps tanks, maybe uh, helicopters and planes. So they're not limited to horses, but we're told that specifically the horses, there will be horses who have riders and that unfortunately those horses, uh, given that they are uh, a part of the activities on the side of Team Satan, they will lose their lives too their flesh will be a part of the 180 miles of blood mentioned in Revelation 14, at the end of Revelation chapter 14. Okay, so we have horses on the side of Team Jesus. We have horses on the side of Team Satan. Let's go to the next, uh, the fourth appearance of the word horse. Verse 19, then I saw the beast 
and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. Now, we are we have fast-forwarded in time. John the Revelator is now watching in real time. He's watching. So it's in our future, but he was shown a documentary. So he was shown moving pictures with sound. He called it a vision, but it was a vision external to himself. It wasn't a vision he caused himself to have. It was a vision, moving pictures with sound. Today we would call that a movie in the vernacular of 2023, but it's not just any kind of movie. It's a documentary because it's showing future realities. It's not fiction It's not make-believe. It's future realities that John the Revelator was shown. So he was shown a documentary. Now, we're at the point in the documentary where John the Revelator was shown both sides are there on this present earth. And he says, now remember, he didn't have the benefit of our technology So he was not able to whip out his cell phone or tablet or video camera to record the documentary he was shown. So he used the best technology that existed at that time, a writing utensil and perhaps parchment. So he wrote down to the best of his ability everything that he saw. But that doesn't change the fact that what he saw was moving pictures with sound. He saw a documentary. So we're reading his description of the documentary he was shown. He says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 19, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together. So right there in Israel, he sees the Antichrist. So in the book of Revelation, sometimes the beast refers to the Antichrist. Sometimes it refers to the false prophet. For example, Revelation chapter 13 in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, at the end of that it says, then another beast, and then it goes on to describe the false prophet. And in the purple and scarlet prophecy in Revelation chapter 17, uh, it refers to the beast that will come out of the bottomless pit. That's referring to Satan. But here... In Revelation chapter 19, the beast refers to the Antichrist. So whenever you see the beast in the book of Revelation, we have to look at uh, other words in the scripture to tell us, is it the Antichrist, is it the false prophet, or is it Satan? So uh, the unholy trinity, the unholy trinity, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan, Revelation chapter 19, verse 19 says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So they're all there, the Antichrist, the kings of the world, the armies. Now let me talk a little bit about the armies. So in uh, other books in the Bible, we learn about some of the nations that are going to sin their armies. So we know that there's a 10-nation alliance. That's described in the 666 Antichrist prophecy. It will dominate economic and political affairs. The 10 kings who are leaders of this 10-nation alliance that will dominate economic and political affairs during the Great Tribulation, they will yield their power to the Antichrist. And Presumably, these nations will themselves send armies, each of the ten nations. But in addition, we hear elsewhere in the Bible that there are specific nations who will send armies. And we hear in Zechariah that after the Battle of Armageddon, plagues are going to be sent back to the nations that sent armies. We hear in Zechariah that those armies who volunteered, those Uh, Those nations that volunteered to send their armies to participate in this war that the Antichrist is waging against Israel, that Jesus is going to send plagues back to those nations. 
uh, after the Battle of Armageddon. But let's stay here. Let's stay here at the Battle of Armageddon. We're in the Marriage Supper prophecy. So in verse 19, we hear that the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world, that they're there at the Battle of Armageddon, and also there on this present earth in Israel. So Jesus Christ is no longer in heaven. He left heaven on a white horse. He has arrived here on the present earth. He's arrived. He's not in Washington, D.C. He's not in Garland, Texas, fine places, but he's not there. The Battle of Armageddon is local. It's going to be fought in a specific location identified in the Bible. It's going to be fought in Israel. That's where he is. That's where the armies of the world have been gathered together. And it says that Jesus Christ is sitting on the horse. So it says, quote, Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. So it's just like the Super Bowl. On one side, you have uh, America's team. I'm, I'm believing they're going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. On one side, you have America's team and its quarterback. And on the other side, you have another team and its quarterback. So the quarterback, the quarterback is Jesus Christ. He's going to throw a touchdown. He's going to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. On the other side, Team Satan, the quarterback, is the Antichrist. He's going to lose. His team is going to lose. Now, what's going to happen to his team? So the Antichrist and the false prophet, two of the five enemies of God, they are the first two to go to eternal damnation. They are the first two of God's five enemies that Jesus Christ will destroy. So it begins here. The destruction of God's five enemies begins at the Battle of Armageddon. Once all five of God's enemies are destroyed, earth is folded up like an old cloak, we're told in the Bible. And we transition from this present earth to a new earth, but we can't do that until every evil person, every evil entity, every corrupted thing is destroyed. So God has five enemies. In the order of their destruction, here they are, the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death itself. Revelation 19, that's what we're looking at nine, the marriage supper prophecy. Here we see the first two of God's five enemies destroyed. So it says in verse 20, and the beast was captured and with him the false prophet. Then it says at the end of verse 20, both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So at the battle of Armageddon, not only are they captured, but the outcome, the outcome for them, the outcome for them is that they go to Gehenna. They go to the fiery lake that burns with sulfur and brimstone, and that's their forever location. So instead of uh, eternal life on the new earth, they go to eternal damnation in the lake of fire, forever separated from God. Now in Revelation chapter 20, Satan joins them. Satan joins them. Let's go there. Revelation 20, Satan is the third of God's five enemies to be destroyed. So after the first thousand years, after the battle of Armageddon is fought in one, we have a thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. Satan is released from Hades where he uh, will be for a thousand years, the bottomless pit. And then it says, in verse 10 of chapter 20, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. Now, if it says the devil is joining the beast, then that, that proves that in Revelation 19, the beast cannot be the devil. Revelation 19 has to be referring, referring to someone other than the devil, because in verse 
10 here, it says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast, that's the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So the unholy trinity, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast, those are the first three enemies of God to be destroyed. Uh, Then all who are the children of Satan, they are resurrected. They are resurrected after the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth, but they are resurrected for the purpose of participating in the great white throne judgment. And then we're told at the end of Revelation 20 in the dead judged prophecy, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So then all of the dead, they are not allowed to stay in a prison of darkness after their cases are heard and won, and it's indeed proven that their sin debt hasn't been paid for, they failed to go to mediation, they failed to allow Jesus Christ to pay their sin debt, so now their case is heard, they have no defense. They have no defense, their case is heard, they're found guilty, and so they're sentenced to eternal damnation, they're thrown into the lake of fire, where they join who? They join the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the sat- and Satan uh, who are already there. Finally, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 tells us, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. I think that might be my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. Now, I don't know about you, friend, but in my opinion, your number one enemy is death. Your number one enemy is death. Now, you need a hero who can defeat your enemy, and it's not Joe Biden, and it's not Putin, and it's not Pastor so-and-so, as wonderful as Pastor so-and-so is. Jesus Christ is the only way to transition from mortality to immortality. It's the only way. Find and follow God's plan for salvation. Now, he is going to destroy death. And we hear in Revelation 20, verse 14, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. So that's the fifth and final enemy that's destroyed. So, Let's go back to the Battle of Armageddon, where it all starts. When I say where it all starts, what am I talking about? The destruction of God's five enemies, the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death itself. So here, verse 21 of Revelation 19, or back in the Marriage Supper prophecy, the prophecy about the Battle of Armageddon, it says, their entire army talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet and the kings of the world, their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. Now notice it doesn't say much of the army was killed or many in the army uh, were killed. It says their entire army. So all of the armies from the Ten Nation Alliance, all of the armies from allied nations who elected to sin armies uh, so that they could stay in favor with the Antichrist and the one world government and the new world order. So during the Great Tribulation, it's very important, it's very important to not take the mark of the beast And it's important to communicate to everyone you know, whatever you do, never, ever join the armies of the Antichrist because 100% of those people who go to Israel and are fighting against Jesus Christ, 100% of them are going to die. Now, when they die, they don't go to the lake of fire. They go to Hades. They go to a prison of darkness. They, They are not quote-unquote, destroyed, and remember, when God destroys someone, he sends them to the lake of fire that burns with sulfur and brimstone forever and ever. So they go to Gehenna. So when a person dies but is not in Christ, 
The person is merely sleeping, just like a person who is in Christ is merely sleeping. But I think we would both agree it's better to sleep. In other words, it's better to be disembodied as a soul and spirit in heaven than to be disembodied as a soul and spirit in Hades. When a person dies, the human being has perfect continuity of life. The individual either ascends to heaven as a disembodied spirit with his or her mind, will, and emotions, his or her soul completely intact, or if the individual died and was not in Christ, instead of ascending to heaven, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for those who die in Christ. If a person dies and is not in Christ, that person descends to Hades, but still has perfect continuity of life. Perfect continuity of life. Uh, The soul, the mind, will, and emotions are intact. The spirit is intact. Now, let me share with you. You might say, well, I've never heard of, you might say, I've heard of believers being resurrected, research scientists, but I've never heard of unbelievers being resurrected. Let's go to where the book of Revelation talks about that. In the millennial reign prophecy, John the Revelator is talking, and he says in verse 4, talking about those people, those among us, who lose our lives during the great tribulation on account of witnessing for Jesus, in Revelation 20, verse 4, John the Revelator says, they all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ 4,000 years. This is the first resurrection. But he says something else after that. Then he says, the second part of verse 5, Revelation 20, the rest of the dead did not come back to life until, now wait a second, that means they're coming back to life. The rest of the dead are coming back to life. Those individuals who experience the first death, they are simply falling asleep, just like believers who die are simply falling asleep. It says the rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years has ended. So they do come back to life. But unfortunately, when they come back to life, is for the purposes of participating in the great white throne judgment, as described in the dead judged prophecy, Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. And uh, 100% of those who participate in the great white throne judgment, 100% of those individuals are the children of Satan. And as such, that means they fail to go to mediation. Uh, Timothy tells us that Jesus Christ is the only mediator. He's the only way for us to get in right standing with God the Father. God the Father is going to relocate his home in present heaven to the new earth. But he's not going to do it until every evil thing, every evil entity, and every evil person has been removed from the earth. So he's going to transition this earth to a new earth. In the same way that we're getting a perfected, glorified body, we're also getting a perfected, glorified new earth, according to Revelation 21, the new earth prophecy, Revelation chapter 21. All five of God's enemies are going to be destroyed. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, The Son of God and the Son of Man, he's the one who's going to do it. He's the one who's going to destroy all five of God's enemies. Now, these individuals who experienced the first death, including all of the people, all of the people who have taken the mark of the beast and who are there in the armies of the kings of the world led by the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon, all of those individuals, when they die, now, 100% are going to die. Let's hear it again. Revelation 19.20 says, Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So Jesus Christ has a weapon. When he leaves heaven, he's suited up in his outfit. He has his mode of transportation, his vehicle ready, a white horse, 
and his weapon includes a sharp sword. We're told elsewhere that uh, the way he operates the sword is that it, it comes from his mouth. It comes straight out of his mouth, uh, a sharp, we're told, two-edged sword elsewhere in the book of Revelation. But right here it says, their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So he's riding the white horse, uh, you know, but it's not a game. It's a war waged in righteousness, and he's going to use a very powerful weapon, and that weapon is so powerful that 100% of those who are Team Satan will be killed. They will lose their lives. Uh, all of uh, Everyone will lose their life and experience the first death, except for the Antichrist and the false prophet. Uh, they are going beyond falling asleep. They're going to Gehenna. They're going to eternal damnation, the first two of God's five enemies. Okay, so what have we been talking about? What's the take-home point uh, of our discussion today? The marriage supper prophecy is the definitive prophecy, the, the primary prophecy in the book of Revelation that focuses on the Battle of Armageddon. Now, there are 12 documentaries about uh, the Great Tribulation and the events that follow after. So there are nine documentaries that focus on the events leading up to and including the Great Tribulation, three documentaries that focus on what happens after the Battle of Armageddon. Several of these statements of prophecy, we can also think of them as documentaries, because remember John the Revelator was shown these moving pictures with the words and he wrote down what he saw, uh, several mentioned the Battle of Armageddon. Now, this marriage supper prophecy, it tells us that the wedding feast of the Lamb, it is what happens after the wedding. The wedding is the first resurrection. After all whose names are written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life, after we have transitioned from mortality to immortality, now it's time for God to fight and win the Battle of Armageddon. He does it. He does it. And the Lamb of God, that's Jesus Christ, he fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. He's riding a white horse. He comes with the armies of heaven who are riding white horses. He has a cleanup plan for the 180 mouths of blood that will include the flesh of kings and mighty warriors and uh, horses. And his cleanup plan is for the vultures to consume the dead bodies. And indeed, they will uh, complete their assignment given to them as an instruction from the angel of the Lord, indeed, it tells us in Revelation chapter 19, verse 21, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Now, if anyone tells you or tells me that the wedding feast of the Lamb is when uh, we as believers, we're going to sit at a big table and we're going to eat shrimp fried rice or we're going to eat steak and potatoes or we're going to eat uh, fish and vegetables with Jesus, I'm going to say in a very soft voice, a very soft voice to that person, have you had a chance to look at the marriage supper prophecy in Revelation chapter 19? And I would encourage you to do the same. I would encourage you to do the same let us remember that the wedding feast of the Lamb is the Battle of Armageddon. There's three animals described multiple times in the wedding feast of the Lamb's prophecy, the marriage supper prophecy. It's the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. It's the horse. Those who are on Team Jesus will be riding horses some of those, at a minimum, some who are Team Satan, they will be riding horses as well. And at the end of this thing, at the end of this thing, the vultures will have, uh, they will dine, they will enjoy uh, the wedding feast. They, will, uh, they are the 
eaters, the diners at the great banquet that God has prepared, uh, none of us as members of the royal race will be eating uh, human flesh. Certainly, we are not carnivores. Certainly, God is not asking us to uh, consume dead bodies. So it's no way possible that the wedding feast of the Lamb is a wedding feast for the bride of Christ. Well, friend and truth seeker, I hope that this has been a compelling and exciting discussion for you. We're going to continue with discussion and analysis of the marriage supper prophecy on Thursday at 10 a.m. Texas time, 11 a.m. Eastern time, and always on Sundays at 12 noon Texas time and 1 p.m. Eastern time. I invite you to be with me and with us again uh, just as a, a a way of planning, let me share with you, in October, we'll be talking about the millennial reign prophecy. What's going to happen during the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this earth? Revelation 20, verses 1 to 10. We're going there next in October. In November, we'll be talking about the dead judged prophecy, that great white throne judgment. Who's going to be there? What's going to happen? And in December, we'll be talking about the New Earth Prophecy, the New Earth Prophecy where there will be uh, no more tears, no more pain, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more death, no more Satan, no more Antichrist, no more children of Satan. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful time. So thank you for being with me and with us. If you haven't done so yet, I encourage you to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.